You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Welcome to another episode of Tied to Nature's Yellowstone. This is your host, Adam Brubaker. I'm getting into some details about different locations in the park today. I'm going to specifically start with the, the kind of the fountain paint pot trail, the fountain paint pots and fountain flats area. And the reason I'm going here is, you know, you might ask, well, why not Old Faithful? That's kind of the top attraction in the park. Or why not Lamar Valley? You know, you're the wildlife guy. Well, I'm going with fountain paint pots for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think Old Faithful can be more self-explanatory. You know, people generally know there's a geyser and that geyser is going to erupt. There's a lot of details that I could go into about it, and I, I will at some point. But you go to Old Faithful, kind of watch everybody else, go to the visitor center. You can find out when Old Faithful is going to erupt and kind of watch that. The reason I'm going towards fountain paint pots is because, in general, the geyser basins, there's a lot of them. You have the upper, you have the midway, the lower geyser basins, you have West Thumb, you have Norris, and within those areas, all kinds of places you can walk around. So if you're going to Yellowstone and you want to see the hot springs and geysers, where do you start? Well, I like to start at Fountain Paint Pots. I'll often take people there. And for I think for a lot of guides, it's kind of the go-to location. I think one of the big reasons for that is at the Fountain Paint Pots Trail is you can see uh, a geyser. You can see a hot spring or multiple hot springs, multiple geysers, fumaroles, and mud pots. So kind of the four big or four main thermal features in the park, you can get at one place. In general, I'm going to talk from about the Mary Mountain Trailhead through the end of the Fountain Paint Pots parking lot. In this area, I want to talk a little bit about coming across those those fountain, what's referred to as fountain flats, and different things you could see kind of cover that whole area. So if you're looking at a map, you will be able to see the Mary Mountain Trailhead in Fountain Flats, uh, and you'll be able to see the Fountain Paint Pot parking area, and that's the area I'm going to be talking about. So starting with, let's go around, well, let's, let's talk about the name for a second. So Fountain, where did that name came from, come from? Over in the, the Fountain Paint Pot Trail, you have Fountain Geyser. And a Fountain Geyser, it's not only the name of a geyser, but it's a type of geyser. So a Fountain Geyser doesn't have as much direction. You know, think of maybe a, a firework, a Fountain Firework. You know, it's, it kind of spreads out a lot. You know, 100 years ago or the early visitors in the park, that was a, a big attraction. And you had some other things in that area. So uh, you had the, the Fountain Geyser. And because the geyser that was named Fountain, the rest of the area kind of took on that same name. The Fountain Paint Pots, the Fountain Flats. There used to be a, a hotel in that area. All came after the geyser was named. So starting back at uh, the Mary Mountain Trailhead. The Mary Mountain Trail is about a 20-mile hike. It's a day hike. It's not heavily traveled because of the, the length of it. It's one of the trails that if you take that, you need to have multiple people just because of the amount of bear activity in that area. And that would take you from the Fountain Flats over to Hayden Valley. And right there at that trailhead, you have what's called the Porcupine Hills. I'm not sure where that name came from, Porcupine. I know somebody named it in their early days of the park, but I'm not sure why they actually called it Porcupine. 
anyways, they're, they're glacial caves. Uh, caves are hills or these formations that were, that were created as glaciers were receding and deposits were made that those glaciers had picked up along the way. So you, you go across Fountain Flats, and this area of Fountain Flats is a big open area. In the wintertime, it almost looks like there's a lake or something because of all the snow that's out that way. And you'll actually, you'll see some, uh, some more glacial caves on the, the far side of the flats, the west side of the road. If you look west, there's more caves. The, the buttes out there are caves. And so in this area of the Fountain Flats, you can often see bison. Um, so sometimes this is seasonally, you know, often in the wintertime, you'll find them out here in the spring. Uh, through the summer, it's back and forth. They will actually use, I mentioned that Mary Mountain Trail. They don't specifically use the trail, but this is kind of a corridor from through that area from Fountain Flats over to Hayden Valley and back that the bison will use. Going, you know, other things, other species that you might find in the flats. I often see ravens out there. Um, occasionally, you do get the wolves that travel through that area, both summertime and wintertime. And it's it's really hit and miss. There's enough people on that side that, you know, they're they're going to typically stay hidden or not be in that area as much. Also, you know, for birds in that area, watch for lots of ravens, of course, kind of throughout the park. Uh, sandhill cranes you'll often see through there. Uh, also a good place to to watch for coyotes. As you travel through the flats, as you start to get kind of this edge of trees that you go into, and you go through the trees, and then it opens up into a little meadow on your left-hand side. Um, there's a little hillside there along that meadow, and there used to be a hotel in that area. That was the Fountain Hotel. Uh, as you go up, as you kind of watch to your right-hand side, as you go up the hill, you're going to see maybe fountain geyser, eclipse, or geyser going off to your right-hand side. And as you go up the hill, you're going to see Leatherpool on the right, and you're going to come down, and you're going to see Silic Spring on your right-hand side. And these are all areas that are part of the Fountain Fountain Trail or Fountain Paint Pot Trail. And so if you go down and you go into the parking lot in the summertime, there may be quite a few people in that parking lot. Just be patient. You know, wait through. You know, usually you can find some kind of parking. There's always people coming and going. Uh, as an important note, there are a couple one-star bathrooms, as I refer to them, in this parking lot. Um, just meaning it's the vault-style toilets. To add a quick note in here, before you walk around these areas with these, the hot springs and the geysers and different things, a safety note and legality, I guess. The hot springs are hot. The bacteria mats are sensitive. It's not only dangerous, but it's illegal to touch or step or walk out to any of the hot springs, please stay on the boardwalks as you walk around these areas. At a little overview on this this trail system through here, this this boardwalk. It's about a half mile. Most of it's pretty flat. There's a little uphill and a little area with stairs. The whole thing can be accessible though by wheelchair. You just have to do some backtracking instead of uh, you can well a couple options. And I'll mention that actually as I, I kind of do this loop. I'll walk you around the loop here. So as you start out, um, the first feature that you're going to come to is C Celestine Pool, which is going to be on your left-hand side. And you'll notice little spurts um, if you watch this of, of boiling water coming up. So boiling at this elevation is about 199. And if you watch that, you'll see these little spouts of boiling. And uh, if you get the book, Geysers of Yellowstone, 
Uh, it does label that as a geyser, and quite a few features through here as geysers. In total, along this trail, you have the potential to see about 26 geysers. Some of them are not active. Some of them might just be springs or little cones and things. May not be active, but at one time or another, about 26 geysers just off the trail, and a potential of another 21 kind of off in the distance. You have Celestine Pools, kind of the first one off to your left. Beautiful blue pool. It's going to be, uh, I believe, the hottest feature in this area as far as the hot springs and talking about temperature as far as heat. And you go a little further up and you'll start going this little hill on your right-hand side, you're going to see Silex Spring. Silex is Latin for silica. Silica is going to be the mineral that's kind of found everywhere. Well, the mineral around is center, S-I-N-T-E-R, and it's a silica-rich mineral that's being deposited through all the hot springs and geysers. And that's what creates the formations of the the geysers and the different features that you'll see in, in Yellowstone. But as you walk up towards Silex Spring, something that I like to point out is watch how the colors change. You're going to go from kind of this brown color to maybe some orange and yellow, maybe a little bit of green into the, the deep blue of Silex Spring. This is the hot spring here that you can see the colors the best on. And I tell everybody the colors represent two things, both life and temperature. And some of these things, I mean, it changes from place to place and, you know, how the different colors and what the temperature really is. But this is just kind of the general, general idea. And so each color usually represents some kind of different organism. It's a bacteria or whatever it may be. It's a, a microorganism that lives there. Uh, some of these might be called thermophiles or extremophiles, acidophiles, um, amongst other things. So phile means loving. So a thermophile, something that loves the heat. Extremophile, something that loves the extreme conditions of Yellowstone or anywhere for that matter, I guess. So anyways, you have these, these living organisms. And typically when you look at them, um, there's a separation between them. And let's, let's start with the blue. The blue, the water's the deepest. It's usually the hottest. In most cases, the blue, you're going to have the, the hottest point, you know, maybe about a, 190 degrees or so. And from there, that water, as it flows out from that blue, from that, that middle deepest place, the water's cooling off. And so you're going to have less water, cooler temperatures, and you're going to see those colors change. And that means the bacteria that is living there, though I should say the organisms that live in those areas, are changing as that water cools off away. So that's typically why you're going to see from a, a blue to a, a green, a yellow, orange, kind of the brown. And that does change, like I said, from place to place. But as a general rule of thumb, that's something that's good to go by as you, you see those colors throughout the different thermal areas um, or hot springs in Yellowstone. So you have Silex Springs. And Silex Spring, you know, at one time was a geyser as well. I mean, it hasn't erupted for quite a while. It, has, it hasn't had an eruption since 2006. And so at this point, you know, it's maybe just considered a hot spring, but it has the potential to be a geyser. So from here, as you go up, um, going to slightly go up again, uh, the boardwalk, you're going to come to the actual fountain paint pots. Now, as you go up here, for me, it's like walking into a different world. You know, it might look like a, a scene from an old Star Trek. And so you're going to see this bubbling mud. And a couple things to note here is you're at the, the highest point in this geyser basin. 
And the reason I mentioned that highest point, because you're going to be higher above the water table. So for areas like, you know, you get these, these paint pots, these um, what looks like bubbling mud or bubbling paint, as the name references, is it's typically you have a higher acidity level and there's not as much water to kind of wash that away constantly, help clear out some of that, those acids, and so, so, like sulfuric acid that you're going to find in these. And so those acids are breaking down the dirt, um, causing this thicker mud in the area. And part of that is due because you're higher up on the water table and or from the water table. And so there's not that same amount of water that you're going to find down low at Silex Spring or as you, as you walk over to the geysers. So you're going to see this bubbling mud, a higher acidity level. And if you look on the far side, as you first come up to, if you look on the far side of these, these paint pots, you're going to see a cement area. So back in the 40s to 50s sometimes, that was, there was actually a road that came through on that far side of the, the paint pots, and there used to be a parking lot over there. Some of that changed after the, the 59 earthquake. And so the 59 earthquake, uh, just briefly, there was an earthquake just outside of West Yellowstone. Uh, I think in this area, the sign says it was a 7.3 magnitude earthquake. And so some things changed at that time. Um, you had, as you, as you move past the paint pots, you're going to come over to where Red Spouter is, kind of past the paint pots going to your right to the kind of the east side as you loop around. And then you also see Leatherpool there. So the Red Spouter area actually emerged after the 59 earthquake. I believe that's part of why they had to reroute the road through here. And so this area is kind of unique here because it changes seasonally. You have a couple fumaroles. So at this point, walking the trail, you've seen basically some hot springs for all intents and purposes. That's what we'll call these, just pools of hot water. Uh, Then you came up the hill and you saw... Uh, paint pots or mud pots. So those are the kind of the first two features. Mud pots are usually thicker or muddy, more acidic areas. And then you've come to this third spot, and now you have, again, it changes seasonally, but we'll say fumaroles or just steam vents where hot air comes out of the ground. Now, I mentioned these change seasonally, so sometimes they're mud pots, sometimes they're fumaroles, sometimes they're a spring. And a lot of that has to do with the water table. And, you know, how much water is right there in the area. Uh, so during the winter time, for example, there's in the springtime, there's quite a bit of water and it's this red clay. Usually you get the red from, you know, soil being more iron based. And so this red water that just spouting up. Well, as you go through the year, as you get into July and into August, as that water tables less and there's less water, you're not having the water and there's just this, this big hole with hot air coming out of it. And so this, these thermal, these fumaroles or steam vents can be some of the hottest features in the park where the, the water is basically vaporized or uh, evaporated down below because it's so hot. And by the time it reaches the surface, it's just become this, this steam. And often these can be loud features as well because of the pressure and power down below. Uh, red spouter specifically is not as loud as it, it used to be. I think there's a lot of erosion happening in there. The hole can, continues to get bigger and allowing it or not allowing that same pressure that was there at one time. But while you're here, take a look at the sign. There's a nice sign that talks in, uh, about Red Spouter and shows you some pictures of over time how it's changed. Uh, and it also 
points out a little map where the the earthquake happened. And then you kind of cross the boardwalk and look at Leatherpool. You know, this Leatherpool is going to be a little cooler in temperature because you're going to see more of that green rather than that bright blue that you saw before. And it gets its name because if you if you look on it, especially on a nice day where that sun's penetrating the water, you're going to see what looks like these leather strips, um, which are actually algae in the water that are growing. And that's where uh, this got its name from. But just as a side note here, um, from this pool, they actually used to run a pipe across the meadow over to where I mentioned that Fountain Hotel was and provide mineral baths for the guests at the, the hotel from this uh, from this leather pool. And actually, as you go, if you were to leave and drive back north from here, as you look across that little meadow where the hotel used to be, you'll see this line in the grass. And that line in the grass is where the the pipe used to go that ran over to this hotel. And I should have mentioned this hotel has not been in use since about 1916. So going back to the boardwalk, you've seen the, the paint pots, you've seen um, leather pool, and you're continuing this little loop around, and then you're going to take uh, a right out, you know, and continue on the boardwalk. You're going to see a sign on your right-hand side that says Volcanic Tableland. So as you look out in the distance, you're going to see a couple things. You're going to see probably a, a snow-capped mountain way off in the distance, which I believe is Mount Holmes. And in front of that, there's a ridge line. And that ridge is actually the rim of the caldera. So you're inside of a volcano right now, looking at that far edge of the volcano. That's kind of the north or north rim or north, maybe west rim of the volcano. And in front of that, you have part of what's the West Yellowstone uh, flow. The West, yeah, the West Yellowstone flow, which is a, a volcanic flow that you would have followed in coming in from uh, Madison and along the Firehole River through there. So a couple different things you're looking at there. Again, you're inside of the volcano or inside of the caldera, and you can see that rim off in the distance. Now, as you go from here, there's going to be a set of stairs that goes down some to some geysers. Uh, there's a platform up high that you can overlook those as well. Uh, if you do want to go down and get closer to where these geysers are, especially if they're erupting and you don't feel comfortable, you can't manage the stairs, you can go back around the way you came from. And instead of, you know, going straight um, up, up towards Silex Spring, as you go back down, you can take a right, or as you're coming towards Silex Springs going around this way, you could actually take that left that will take you further past Celestine Pool and around, and that will take you up to the geysers, which is, again, a slight hill on that side. Anyways, you as you go down the stairs, you're going to come into this area with quite a few geysers. Um, as you look off to your right, there's a geyser called Twig Geyser. It's a smaller one. It's probably going to be empty of any water. There's at least a good chance of that. And as you continue on your right-hand side, there's a big hole. That's Fountain Geyser. Behind that big hole, there's another big hole, which you have Morning Geyser and Morning Thief. And then to your left is going to be Jet Geyser. And one that's going to be, again, off to your right-hand side, kind of the north of the, the trail or boardwalk that you're on, that's probably going to be an eruption is Calypstra Geyser. And in front of that is Spasm Geyser. 
Now, most likely in this area, the first thing that's going to catch your attention is Calypstra geyser. Now, Calypstra, back before the the 59 earthquake, would erupt for every three minutes or so and just do these little eruptions. And that's when it originally got its name, Calypstra, just uh, after timepiece. I believe that's Greek. And so it's going to be in a constant eruption. So technically, is that a geyser? And you know, I'll probably let uh, a geologist or something get into that. But for all intents and purposes, that's a geyser. It's erupting. It's basically always going to be going. And this is one of my favorite geysers um, or favorite areas because it's the only one, because it's constantly going, the only, the only one that I know of, that has the color at the base of it. It has a constant flow of water, so it allows these microorganisms to grow around it and create these colors. And so I think that's, that's pretty neat there. Now, if you happen to be in this area as another geyser is going, it's, it's neat because you're, you're, there's been times that I've been here and it's, I've been surrounded by geysers. I have jet geyser going, which again is to your left-hand side as you, as you go around those boardwalk. And, I'm, and I should say as you go around counterclockwise. And so on your left-hand side, jet geyser, and it has multiple holes that it's going to be coming from, multiple spouts that this geyser is going to be coming. It's going to be going horizontal and vertical as water comes out. Then on your right-hand side, or kind of to the north, you're going to have, you know, fountain geyser goes. And if fountain geyser goes, here's this big hole, you know, maybe 20 feet across or so. And this geyser can go 20 feet high. It can go up to 40 or more feet high. And it can last 25 to 30 minutes. And usually when fountain goes, which is, again, that big kind of that crater, big hole closest to you, when that starts going, everything else in the area starts getting active as well. That's when you might see jet geyser and spasm geyser, or maybe if you're lucky, morning or morning's thief, and spasm, and excuse me, and twig geyser, and all these other things are getting active, and you're kind of standing right in the middle of it trying to decide what you should watch. So that's a, it's a neat area to walk through, but as far as fountain geyser and its activity, it changes a lot over the years. And it's special the last couple of years. I mean, there's it might go every four or five hours. There's been intervals of up to nine hours. So in general, it's not really predictable, and it uh, kind of, if you just show up there on the right, at the right time. As you continue around here going um, past Calypstra Geyser and down the hill, it's this big flat open area, well, not maybe flat, but a big open area, and all this mineral that you're seeing everywhere, this gray mineral, you know, it's what the cones are made out of, like uh, their Calypstra Geyser, it's cone that's formed, is again that center, that silica-rich mineral that deposits over time and creates these formations. And you come around, you know, I often tell people at this point, depending on the weather, after Calypstra, as you go down the hill and back, sometimes you just put your head down and go, especially in the wintertime, because this is where the wind will hit you a little harder. And so, and that's kind of the last feature around this loop. And as you come back around, uh, you will see Celestine Pool on your right-hand side again, and you'll finish back up at the, at the boardwalk. And I guess a, a couple other things that you'll notice in this area, you're going to notice some some dead trees. You know, first impression with a lot of people is that they're they're burnt. And these trees that I'm referring to are kind of right at the beginning of this this boardwalk or this trail, and you'll see them on your your left hand side on the way out or right hand side on the way back. And notice there's a white base to them. So basically, what's happening, you'll see this in different areas of the park, 
is the trees have grown there first, and at some point the water changed direction and the water came into these areas. This water is that water that is has this mineral in it that's depositing. The trees soak up that, that water, and then that mineral deposits in the bottom of the trees, clogging things up, killing the trees. Now, as actually something you need to look to, for in the summertime with these, these trees that are dead is there's holes, there are cavities that woodpeckers have made over time. But currently, the last several years, um, swallows, tree swallows nest in them. So you'll you'll see these swallows flying around and watch for little heads poking out of those those trees. And so that's kind of the basics of this this fountain paint pot trail, the trail that is great to walk around. If it's kind of the one stop shop, if if you can't decide on which one you want to see, or you know what geyser basin or where to go. This is kind of the place that has a little bit of everything. So if I was to spend one day in Yellowstone, had to choose one geyser basin, be I guess beyond Old Faithful, I would say be with this geyser basin to walk around, then go get Old Faithful. That's how I would do it. Anyhow, thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't, I appreciate if you, you hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with uh, friends or people that you know may be visiting Yellowstone tiedtonature.com. Go to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube and type in Tied to Nature. Do a search and keep following us throughout the week. Thanks for listening to Tied to Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Tied to Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.